Alrighty. So tonight, we're going to be hopping into our week four of our Hebrew series. And as I was preparing for this and getting ready for it, I was thinking of a hot topic that's going on right now. How many of you guys are Swifties in the room? All right, hey, we're, we're actually going to pray. We're going to pray for all of you guys after service that you find some good music sometime. Um, but, yeah. But I've been thinking about Taylor Swift, right? Taylor Swift is always changing up on us, right? Who remembers, like, original Taylor Swift when she was making, like, cute Disney Channel country songs? We're like, oh, man, like, that's a cute little song she had. And now we Taylor Swift's making, like, pop music, and she has a five-year contract with the Kansas City Chiefs now, I guess. I don't know. This, she's changing up all the time. I'm like, where is this girl going? And it made me think, our world changes so much, doesn't it? The things that are going on in our world, our languages is always changing. The things that we use to describe something good go from like dank to good to, to bust and to lit, right? We have all these different languages are always changing. And we're, what's so kind of crazy is there's this oxymoron of our world is constantly changing, right? We can always depend that our world is going to change, that something new is going to be coming along, some new trend, some new fashion line, some new statement that we're going to get on. It's always changing. There's always something that we could get into something new, right? I don't know about you guys, but are you tired of the change all the time? Are you guys tired of it? I, I feel like I just get so exhausted of trying to keep up with what's new and what's fashionable and what's the new cool thing to do. And I was thinking about Taylor Swift. I'm like, stop changing. Just be who you are. But even then, when we think of the things in life that are always changing, I want us tonight to look at this message that we have from Hebrews. who gives us encouragement of like, hey, there's a lot of things that are going to change. Our whole lives are changing all the time, but there's one thing that's not, and that's going to be God. And tonight we're going to be looking at the God's that God is unchanging. Can you guys say that with me? Let's say it one more time. Say, God is unchanging. And as I said, I'm, I'm tired of change all the time. Me and my wife, as I think I've shared with you guys, we've had a crazy six months. We've moved twice. We've both changed completely different jobs. We've had a lot of change in our life. And what I found is we've been in this place where it feels like there's no consistency. It feels like we can't settle down. It feels like we can't fully embrace into the things of God because things are always changing up on us all the time. But these last few weeks and these last couple months that we've been here with you guys have been so amazing where we feel like we've had consistency. And I think all of us are just striving for something to be constant in our lives. And Hebrews offers us this true encouragement tonight that when we're in this world where we're let down so often, by the things that are changing, when we're discouraged, even maybe in our faith in God, we're like, is this even worth it? Should I even be focusing and putting my efforts into this thing, or is this just a trend that everybody's on, maybe on right now? And tonight, Hebrews is giving us this message, but it's not just like this cute little message of, hey, put your hope in Jesus. It's not a cute little Sunday school thing. It's a, it's a true call that when our lives are crumbling, when we feel like we have nothing that we can hold on to, when we feel like man, we, we have nowhere to go, we have no hope, we have no trust, our lives just feel like we're lost at sea. It gives us this analogy of an anchor that we're going to look at. Something that we can anchor our lives to and that's going to be steady and consistent. But as I was preparing for this, as this message, I feel like I was honestly struggling a lot. I was like, God, how do I make a message to kids who I feel like a lot of you guys have known God for a lot of your life? And you guys know that God's unchanging and you've, you've heard this message before. And I was like, God, how do I make this relevant and new? How do I maybe make it funny to you guys tonight? And he revealed something to me. He says, I don't need to be made relevant. And that tonight is that God doesn't need to be made relevant. He doesn't need to change with the culture. God's not sitting here, hey, like, I'm just changing with everything else. He's saying, I've been consistent through the ages. From the very beginning of time to today, I am the exact same. And that is a promise that we get to hold on to tonight. So God himself is unchanging. So if you guys are good with this, 
we're just going to dive through a passage of Scripture, and we're going to break it down verse by verse. And I feel like God has got some really good stuff for us tonight. Are you guys okay if we just take a deep dive into this passage? Is that good? Cool, cool. Hey, let's pray real quick. Let's bow our heads, and let's just invite God into this place. Father God, we just, we invite you in right now. And uh, as we're just opening up this passage and just learning how you are unchanging, God, reveal yourself to us. Show us how you don't change for no one. God, but that you are chasing after us, that you are pulling us into your consistency. And God, tonight we just pray that this Wednesday is not just another Wednesday night, God, but is is a Wednesday night where you reveal yourself to us like you never have before. That we're not all just here because of routine, but we are here because we are seeking you right now. We are seeking the things above. We are seeking how you are unchanging, God. So we invite you in. We give you all the honor, all the glory. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. All right, tonight we're going to be looking at a passage in Hebrews. So if you guys want to get your Bibles out, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 12 through 20. Let's toss that up on the screen if you guys want to follow along with me. It says, For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater to swear by, he swore by himself. I will indeed bless you, and I will greatly multiply you. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and for them a confirming oath ends every dispute. Because God wanted to show his unchangeable purpose even more clearly to the heirs of the promise, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that through two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope. Say, seize the hope. Set before us. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Jesus has entered there on our behalf as a forerunner because he has become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. In this passage, I see three things that I want us to to dive in deeper tonight. The first one I want us to look at is that God's word is unchanging. Can you guys say that with me? Say, God's word is unchanging. How many of you guys have somebody that you know you can just never take their word? Right, they make all these promises all the time and they have never once followed through. Anybody got anybody like that in their life? I had this coach in high school. I was a basketball player, and uh, it was off-season. It was summertime. I was going into my junior year, and he's telling me, he's like, hey, Nate. He's like, you're going to be my starting point guard this year. You're going to be like my guy. It's going to be me and you all the way. We're going to take this team to a deep run in the playoffs. He's making me all these promises, and I'm getting excited for it, right? And he's made me all these promises like, man, like, this is going to be a good year. And so then I get to football season. I play my football season, and I show up to basketball week one. And apparently he'd made the same promise to three other guys on the team. He told us all, he, he got us all nice and close, and he's like, hey, like, it's going to be me and you. Like, we're buddy buddies. Like, you're going to be my starting point guard. And we all, the three of us show up after football season because we were all football players. And there's this dude that we had never met before, starting point guard, got the job. None of us got hardly any playing time that season. I was so disappointed and let down. This man who I was like, this coach is, he had such an influence in my life. I looked up to this guy. I'd been playing under him for like three years now. And he made these promises to me, and I get there day one of basketball practice that year, and someone else had taken the spot that I was promised to. We all have someone, right, that has made his promises, and they have failed to follow through with them. We can all relate with that. And what I love about the author of Hebrews in this whole book is that it's so intentionally written. Every word that he uses in this book is so perfect and exact. And what he does here is he gives us this hope, right? He says, hey, have this hope, this anchor that we can place our lives into. But what he has to do first, though, is he has to establish the credibility of that anchor. He has to establish the credibility, the trustworthiness. He's asking us, hey, put your hope and your trust in Jesus. But he knows that we are untrusting people sometimes, right? But do you guys agree that it's hard? We have trust issues. 
How many of you guys have had a girlfriend break up with you guys? Yeah, how many girls? Yeah, we all, we have trust issues, right? We all we all have trust issues, right? And the author of Hebrews knows that. He knows that we have trust issues, and so he says, "Hey, I want them to hear this encouragement. I want them to hear the promise. But first, I have to show them that God's word will not change on them. That God's word is faithful and true, and it's not going to switch up on you guys like this world does." And we bring in this story of Abraham. How many of you guys have heard of Abraham before? Anybody? Raise your hand if you've heard of Abraham. Pretty cool guy, right? It's a pretty popular story. And we have this story where God, he makes a promise and an oath with this man, this old man who has no children. He tells him, hey, I know you're old. I know you guys are like far away from being able to have children and stuff. And he says, but you guys are going to have many descendants. He promises this to Abraham and his wife. And God makes this great promise and he says, hey, it's going to happen. I'm going to bless your family, bless your nations, bless your descendants. And we see that in Hebrews, can we pull up a verse Um, 14 or 13, sorry, of Hebrews that we were just at. It says, for when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater to swear by, he swore by himself. God makes this promise to Abraham and he swears it by himself. And I mean this with no intent to use the Lord's name in vain, but how many of you guys have heard someone say, I swear to God? We have to swear to something greater. And that's what God does is he's, he's saying, I have to swear to something greater, but there's nothing greater besides myself. And so he gives him his word. But what's so cool about this is that God makes this promise and he's literally putting his reputation and character on the line to give his word to Abraham. He's saying, I swear to myself, I swear on my character that I'm an all good and perfect loving father. That if I don't follow through with this, then my reputation will be on the line. He gives him this promise. But God also goes one step further and he makes an oath. We have a promise and an oath. A promise is words. A promise is something that you tell someone, say, hey, I'm going to do this for you. But then an oath is basically giving it in writing or giving it as a, as a firm, maybe a legal document. That's what we see. And so God makes this firm oath with him to also prove that God is not going to go back on his word. It says, for people swear by something greater than themselves. And for them, a confirming oath ends every dispute. And we see this moment where God, he takes Abraham And back in the uh, ancient Israelites, what they would do is they would cut all these animals in half, which is pretty nasty. They cut them in half, they'd slaughter the animals, and they'd place them on two sides of each other. And the two people entering into the contract would walk through together, basically. And what this meant is that, hey, if we break this contract, if we break this oath, may we both end up like those animals who were slaughtered. So God makes the same type of oath with Abraham. In Genesis 15, 17, it says, When the sun had set and it was dark, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch appeared and passed between the divided animals. This represented God passing through it. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, I give you this land to your offspring, from the brook of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates River. What I think is so beautiful about this is that God was content not only just to offer his word and a promise to Abraham and his descendants, but he also decided to confirm it with an oath. Because he knew that we might have trust issues with just hearing people's word. But why would God need to do this? Why did God feel he needed to do that? It's because we see that he said he wanted to show us his unchangeable desires, for his, his desire to show us that his promises do not change. Quite simply, God did not need to make this oath with Abraham. But as Hebrews six seventeen tells us, he desired to show it more convincingly than just a word. And this is why he had made this oath with Abraham. We, we see this marvel exam, marvelous example of God coming to meet our needs and our untrust. As I said, we all have trust issues sometimes, Abraham should have known better than just to doubt God's word. We should know better than to doubt God's word, but we do sometimes. I know I have doubted God's word so many times. But instead of leaving us in our doubt, God's mercy and his love leads him to not only just promise blessing, but to also swear to it. Look at this quote from John Calvin. 
says, see how kindly God as a gracious father accommodates himself to our slowness to believe. How often can we be so slow to believe the goodness of God? As he sees that we rest not on his simple word, that he might more fully impress it on our hearts, he adds an oath. In his love, God decided not to leave us doubting, but to confirm his promises with an oath, which I think is so beautiful to us tonight. But not only can we see that we can take God for his word, that he says that his word is faithful and true, but we also see that a man who is very famous in the Bible, Abraham, decided to take his word as faithful and true. This is the very, um, I feel like we can take this guy's word, right? We all know who Abraham is. We know that he was a real character in the Bible. We know that his reputation is great. And Abraham decided to trust the words of God. And we see that he waited patiently and entered into this promise. But you guys might be asking yourself, okay, why, why would the author want to bring in Abraham and this story of God showing his faithfulness. That, that's great for Abraham. I'm glad that Abraham got to experience God's faithfulness and his goodness and his promises came true for him. But why does that matter to us tonight? That's my point number two that I want to look at is that God's promises to us are unchanging. God's promise to us is unchanging. See, he made a promise to Abraham. He's made lots of promises through different covenants in the, in the Old Testament. But the, the author establishes that, yes, he made these old covenants, but he's also made a promise with you guys. Did you know that God has made a promise with all of us in this room tonight? God has decided to make a promise with each and every single one of us called the New Covenant. How many of you guys have heard of the New Covenant? Yeah, we've heard, we might have heard of that before. What the New Covenant was, it was, it was the coming of Christ. It was the coming of Jesus to earth. It was the coming of God to his people. We see this called the covenant of consummation. And a covenant of consummation means to be fulfilled or to be restored, to bring things together. And that's exactly what God has promised us tonight. He has promised us the ability to come together with him. And I feel like that's some good news, that we have the ability to come together with God tonight. And I think when we feel most abandoned, most ready to give up on our faith or something that we don't really believe in is when we feel abandoned, when we feel hopeless, when we feel like we're alone and we have nothing to cling on to. The whole purpose of God's promise to us was to show that he is not a distant and abandoning God. And that's why he is worthy of our trust tonight and faith in our lives. God loves us so much that he wouldn't ask us just to put our hope and trust into something that wasn't reliable. And he tells us, I'm reliable, my words are reliable, and here's this new promise that he has given to each and every single one of us tonight. But what is this promise? What does exactly the new covenant mean to us? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 8, verses 10 through 12 tonight. It says, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. And each person will not teach his fellow citizen, and each his brother or sister, saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least to the greatest of them. For I will forgive their wrongdoing, and I will never again remember their sins. This is the new covenant that we have with God tonight. There's three promises in here. The first one is that the law is written on our hearts. What this means is that the people in the old covenant, their whole relationship with God was based on works. Doesn't that sound terrible? Having to, your whole relationship with God was based on how can I just do the law better? How can I just be a better Christian, basically? This was the old covenant. It was mere duty without love. And God was tired of a following base that was following him out of duty and tradition and religion. And he calls his people into this new promise that's based on a heart posture. And his promise to us is that we will be able to always know him based on our heart posture, but not because of what we are able to do as Christians. That's good news to us, that we don't have to try and please God through actions. Yes, he calls us higher. He calls us to, to come away from sin, but he also says, 
It's not based on your actions that you will enter into relationship with me. It's based on the posture of your heart. And I love this promise. It calls us to give our hearts to the Lord, not just what we're able to do. The second one is a promise that we get to know the Lord. How many of you guys like knowing people? I like knowing people. Sometimes it's like, it's, been, it's hard when you move to a new place. How many, has anybody moved here recently in the last few months? Ethan, right? Has it been hard, like, not knowing anybody? Okay, guys, Ethan, everybody go talk to Ethan after service. We need to get this guy some friends. But not knowing people is such a terrible place to be. And God understands that, that as people, we like to know each other. We like to know others. But ultimately, knowing God is the greatest person we could ever know. And this is the second promise that he offers us this ability to truly know him. That he's not distant. He's not just saying, hey, worship me without knowing who I am. The people in the Old Covenant only knew God through the law and what he had said through prophets. They didn't know him on a personal connection, on this brother-like, on this father-like, on this friend-like connection. The Lord takes such great pleasure in those who know him. And we are all invited tonight to be able to know God fully. And I think that's amazing, that promise that we have that God will never leave us. But the third and most important part of this promise is that our sins are remembered no more. Our sins are remembered no more. The promise that we have been given of forgiveness of our sins. A restored connection of relationship with God. Because ultimately our sin has separated us from God. From the beginning, from the fall of man in the garden, we were separated from God. And he hated this. And he said, I have to figure out a way that I can have restored connection with them. So he sent his son. And we see this through the blood of Jesus that we see through the blood that was spilled. In Luke twenty-two twenty, it says, In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, This is the cup and the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Tonight, we're going to have the opportunity to take communion. I'm so excited for this, but we get to enter into this new covenant with God. A promise that we have been given an opportunity for salvation to be able to be saved from our sin and the darkness that we are in because of what Jesus has done. And so often, we can lose sight of this promise. We can think that God is distant and that he doesn't desire connection and relationship with us. We think that just because we, we messed up, just because we didn't do things right, that we won't be able to have this knowledge of who he is, that he doesn't care about who we are anymore. And we have this promise that God makes to us saying, that is not the case at all. We have a loving father who gave the sacrifice of his one and only son so that we could be saved ultimately. But he hasn't just said it. God hasn't just made this promise and said, hey, I have this new covenant for you guys. He sealed it with an oath through the blood of Jesus, just like he did with the animals with Abraham. And he said, if my promises don't remain true, then all this was worthless. And I love this so much that God wanted to give this gift to us, the new covenant. It was a gift that he has offered to us. We are called heirs of the promise of this new covenant, inheritors of the promise. An inheritor or an heir, they don't earn it. They are given they are given the promise. They are given this as heirs and inheritors of God's promises. We are all called children of God into his kingdom tonight. We're not just trying and striving to be able to gain relationship with God. It's been given to us if we are willing to accept it as a gift tonight. And all of this, right, so God's word is unchanging. His promise to us is unchanging, that we get this eternal salvation with him through belief in what his son has done for us. What does this mean for, though, for all of us, this encouragement that he ends with is that our hope is unchanging. Our hope is unchanging. Can you guys say hope with me? Say hope. It's important to know that God swore his promises not only to Abraham, but also to his heirs, which we are the heirs. We are the heirs of the promise. God knew that future generations of his people would be tempted to give up on him. I know there's been so many times where I've been tempted to give up on God. 
maybe because of something that we face in life because life is hard and we think, is God even good? Is he even real? Does he even, does he even want me? Or maybe we, we think, is God even faithful to his promises when we haven't seen him show up in our lives? Maybe there's something that we've been praying and, and asking God to do and we haven't seen it yet. And we get to this place where we're like, man, I just don't know if I can do this anymore. And what I love about this is this was an encouragement to the people of Hebrews, as we learned about in week one, that this whole book is an encouragement to the Hebrews who were facing persecution for their belief in God, that they were getting ready to turn their back on Jesus, the one who had done all this, to died on the cross for them. They were getting ready to turn their back on him because they didn't think it was worth it anymore. They were ready to put their hope and their trust into something else. And that's so true for us today. 2,000 years later, we're in this journey of faith all together. How easy can it be for us to fall into unbelief that God is good and his promises are good and that he sent his son for us? But the author of Hebrews says the greatest hope that we can truly have is that of one that's placed in Jesus and in his blood alone. All of God's promises that we have seen, everything in this new covenant that God has promised to us, we see in Jesus coming down. Hebrews 6, 18 through 19 says, So that through two unchangeable things, meaning the promise of our new covenant and the oath, which was Jesus' blood, we see that God, it's impossible for God to lie. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope set before us. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. I love this passage. It calls us refugees. What are refugees? They are people without a, without a home. They are people that don't have a place to anchor themselves to. And God refers in this passage that refers to us as refugees, people who are searching. I feel like we are all searching in, in search of this place where we can place our lives, our trust, our hope. We are in a lost world of sin and chaos like a ship out to sea tossing in the waves and we have to find something to place our anchor in. Anchors aren't just placed in things that change all the time, things that can be easily moved. Anchors are placed into the floor bed of the sea. The anchor, the one that has entered in the inner sanctuary for us, as it says, is Jesus. The one that we get to place all of our hope in tonight is Jesus. What I love about this, though, is that it's not just a cute call to trust in Jesus. It's saying, hey, your life has to be anchored to this or you will drift away. You will fall apart, that you will crumble because this is the only thing that's not going to change forever. Our hope is a sure hope because it's grounded in our faithful and unchangeable God. Our hope reminds us that our present and troubled existence will soon end because of what Jesus has done for us, that we will get this opportunity to forever dwell in connection and relationship with our God, our Father. That's the greatest hope that we could hold on to. But the thing is that we can only be taken into this place because of what Jesus has done for us. We can only fully enter into this place where we get to have connection with God for the rest of our lives, for the rest of eternity, because of what Jesus has done for us. Through the sacrifice that he gave that opened up the door. And we can only go because of what Christ has done. What I love, what John Owen, he reminds us that even heaven would be no safe place for us to fix our anchor of trust and hope if Christ were not there. I'm going to say that again. Think about this. Even heaven would be no safe place for us to fix the anchor of our trust and hope if Christ were not there. It's a bold statement. But he's saying that if we're all just here because we think church is a good idea, or if we're all just, man, I, I hope I just make it to heaven someday because that seems like the right thing to do. He said it would be all worthless if Christ wasn't there. And tonight I want to ask you guys is, where is that hope and trust in your life truly? Is that there's some of you that I, I know your stories that you guys have been in church for years. And are you here because you have your hope and trust in God? Or are you here because it's based out of religion and mere works and you think that, man, if I just go to church, maybe someday I'll make it to heaven. Maybe there's some of you guys here tonight that 
you don't have a full relationship with Christ and you're just trying to find that thing that will satisfy your soul, the thing that will satisfy that longing in you. The one thing I want us to get out tonight is that our hope is anchored in an unchanging salvation. That our salvation, our ability to enter into connection with God is unchanging because of what Jesus has done for us. Because his blood on the cross, because his body was broken for us, we will forever be able to enter into connection, enter into relationship with the loving Father who chose each and every single one of us in this room tonight. So, first we talked about God's word. It's trustworthy. It's unchanging. He will never go back on his promises. He's proven that through generations, through people like Abraham and Moses and Isaac. We see it throughout the Old Testament, through the New Testament. We know that God does not go back on his word. We know that God's promise to us is unchanging because his word will not fail. We know that the promise that he has made to us to enter into this new covenant will never go away. That we will always have access to be able to enter into relationship with him. And thirdly, our hope is unchanging because we are anchored to the one who doesn't change. We are anchored to the one who is Jesus, who has called us in to this promise that God has made for each and every single one of us. What I love about this is that any doubt that we may have of God and his goodness, any doubt that we have if God is truly good, if he's truly just, if he truly loves us, it's all disputed, it's all erased through the blood of Jesus. Any time that we've wondered, is this even worth it? Is following God even worth it or is it just going to fade away someday? I want to tell you guys that it's not because Jesus' blood says that it's not. A man who is literally dying for you, willing to say, hey, I want to die for them so that they know that they can, they can trust me. That they can put their hope and their whole lives and that they can be anchored in me. It's his blood that says that it is all worth it. And so many of us are trying to find something to hold on to tonight, wherever we're at in life. And Hebrews tells us that the thing that we must anchor ourselves to is the promises of God, which are Jesus. Jesus. 